today we get to talk about building relationships. Decide to build relationships, all right? Talk about friends. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, so my very first sermon ever, I mean ever, back when I was in uh, probably first year college, was about having good friends. And so I get to maybe a little better than the first one, but uh, my first sermon was probably like 10 minutes or so. So, hey, maybe we'll get out early today on uh, building relationships. But uh, anyone here, anyone have friends here? Talking about friends, got friends? Don't lie, you know. Uh, Rick, you, you can raise your hand, buddy. I'm your friend. Yeah, all right. Uh, so, you know, uh, we, we all have friends. Hopefully you have some friends. Uh, listen, uh, we, you know, we, we all have friends because we're, we're in church, right? Uh, we're all here in a church. Got to have friends here at church, right? Now, that's not always true. Uh, you know, we're, we're sitting here in church, and uh, I suppose it is, it is normal that you would have friends. But, uh, you know, you're sitting here. If you look, look to your left, look down the row, look to your right, I want you to turn around and look behind you. See, we're sitting at a church building of about 700 people, okay? Now, in this auditorium, there's about 500 or so, uh, but a church building about 700 people. Some of the people here are strangers to you. Uh, you don't know them at all. Uh, you don't know their names. You don't know anything about them. You kind of recognize their face. They, sometimes you're, you, know, you just don't know who they are. Some of the people around you. Uh, they would know you well enough to express sympathy, you know, or if something was going wrong in your life, they would, they would be able to, uh, I, I'm praying for you, or I, I hope you'll be okay. Uh, but some of them may be your closest friends that you're sitting next to. Um, I know a little bit about friends. You know how I know? Anyone on Facebook? Anyone been on Facebook this week? Yeah? Anyone ever look at how many friends you have on Facebook? Raise your hand if you're on Facebook. Raise your hand. All right, uh, anyone know how many friends you have on Facebook right now? I'll give you permission to take out your phone and check if you want to. Anyone know? Anyone have more than uh, 100 friends? More than 100 friends? Most of you. Wow, you're popular. Uh, anyone have more than 500 friends on Facebook? 500? How about more than 700 friends? Anybody? I'll tell you about me just because I get to talk this morning. I have, get ready for it. 1,499 friends on Facebook. Who's going to make it 1,500? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, listen, I've got 1,499 friends on Facebook. Now, let me ask you something. Does the number of my friends, friends on Facebook have any real correlation to the number of actual friends, healthy relationships I have in my life? Give me some feedback. Yes or no? No. no. no it really doesn't. It really doesn't. There was actually a study. This I want to start off here. There's a study done. I read an article on Forbes.com. An Oxford University study. There's this professor, Robin Dunbar, of Dunbar's number. Do you know about Dunbar's number? I didn't think so. Dunbar's number says that uh, any given person can only have about 150 stable relationships. Uh, 150 is kind of the average. So they actually studied people uh, offline, studied people online that had 150 friends, okay? People with 150 Facebook friends. Uh, they studied 3,375 Facebook users. Listen to this. They found that each person, each user averaged 4.1 close or dependable friends. 4.1 out of 150. 
I wonder how many I have out of 1499. I don't know. Uh, and then they, they found that 13.6 uh, friends would express sympathy during an emotional crisis. Okay, so if you have a hard time, death in the family, something like this. 13.6 out of 150. So with these things in mind, this topic of relationships, um, I want to answer the, the big picture question this morning about us here in this room. Okay, We are a church. We are, we are a called out assembly of people that hopefully you know Christ as your Savior. So why are we all here and, and why am I in your life and why are you in each other's lives? Okay, And then what are we supposed to do with these relationships? The number one need in your heart and life, I want to start here, the number one need in your heart and in your life is to have a real relationship with God, your creator. That is number one, okay? Uh, When we talk about relationship, the number one thing that you need is a relationship with God. See, uh, our sin, when we're born, we're born sinners. Our sin has separated us from God. Uh, We're not able to have peace We're not able to have joy and the satisfaction that we want to have. We're seeking it in all these areas. We seek it from relationships. We seek it from stuff, from sin that we run after. But we can only have it when we're restored back to a right relationship with God. Uh, some of you are, are not in a right relationship with God. You don't, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. And so you, you're wondering, how do I get peace in my life? How do I get joy? Well, the way you get it is by coming back to God, okay? This is why Jesus came to die. Jesus bridges a gap between you and God. He paid in full uh, with his blood on the cross the payment for your sin, okay? He did everything possible so that you didn't have anything left to do outside of receive him as Savior. He died uh, for you. Now listen, uh, this is going to get into what we're, what we're talking about with relations here. When you believe in Jesus, you're given a new life, right? Uh, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away, all things are become new. You have a new life, uh, you're a new person. This is called salvation, okay? What's it called? Salvation. This is called salvation. It's, it's that miracle of a moment. It's that time when you've passed from death into life, you're back with God, you're restored, you're now part of the family of God. After salvation... You begin a life of living for Jesus. Some of you uh, got saved recently. Uh, I know there's been people that have gotten baptized here recently. Some of you are making decisions. And, and maybe over the last six months, you've just received Jesus as your Savior. You didn't know uh, about the gospel, that Christ died for you. And he did it because he loved you. Uh, so, so you've just begun this relationship. Some of, some of you have been living for Jesus for quite some time. But we have this life that we're living for Jesus And this is where all these other people sitting around you come into play, okay? See, living for Jesus, here's something, if you're going to write anything down, this is my my power-packed statement of the morning, okay? Are you ready? Uh, This this is the, the purpose of the message here. Listen, living for Jesus, something we all do, but living for Jesus is not a one player game. Living for Jesus is not a one player game. Living for Jesus is a team sport. Okay, if you can, uh, you know, comp- compare those things. Uh, it's not something you do by yourself. You need these other people to do it successfully. Living for Jesus is not a one-player game. Living for Jesus is a team sport. You see, what happens is when you get saved, uh, the Bible talks about if any if any man be in Christ is a new creature. Talks about as many as received him, received Jesus. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. 
So I get saved, and you know what I am? Son of God. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Son of God. You get saved. Son of God, daughter of God. We're all here. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. You are part of a new family. You realize? The two are inseparable. You cannot get saved and get saved all by yourself, okay? Uh, you, you're, you're saved, but you're saved into a family. You're not saved into single, you're not a single child here, okay? Um, we, are, we that trust Christ are part of the family of God. And God has placed you into the church to continue to grow and to live for Him. See, the church uh, and the relationships you have here and the relationships you have with other Christians, the church at large, is given to you to help you become more like Jesus, okay? This is called sanctification. Can you say that? That's a good one. Ready? Sanctification. Oh, you guys didn't say it. Ready? One, two, three. Sanctification. That's so much fun to say. Sanctification. See, salvation is what happens at the very beginning. Miracle moment. But the rest of your life, you are growing more and more and more like Jesus. You're learning things. You're making decisions. You're learning. I didn't know the Bible said that. And now you do what the Bible says. And what happens is God gave you a family. God gave you other Christians to help you in sanctification. Okay? You needed somebody to help you. All right, anybody with me? Anyone else need somebody that needs some help? I need some help. Uh, we all need help. So how does this work? Uh, God placed you in a church family on purpose. And uh, this morning I want to talk about three reasons. Uh, and we're going to get into the scripture here. Three reasons God gave you a church family when it comes to building relationships. Here is three reasons why. Uh, reason number one. Reason number one is to help you. All three of these are things to help you. Number one is to help you get started. To help you get started. Um, If you can turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 verse uh, 18. This is an awesome passage. In Matthew chapter 28, we come to the end here. Jesus, uh, he died on the cross. He was buried. He raised from the dead. And he's about to go back to heaven. But he gives the church our great commission, okay? Uh, we hear this. This is what we teach every Sunday. This is what you hear in every class. This is why we do what we do, uh, to follow Jesus' command. But listen to what he says in uh, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Um, we all need relationships to help us get started. Realize, um, in, in this passage here, Jesus gave a command. What's, what's the command of the church? The command of the church is to go. Go and make disciples. We're to help others get back to that relationship with Christ, right? Uh, that's what we're to do. Uh, we're also, not only to do that, but we're going to help them get baptized, see them get baptized, and we're to see them learn everything that Jesus taught us. We're to teach others everything that Jesus taught us. When, uh, about a year ago, maybe two years ago now, I, uh, I, I used to write like a little blog. Anyone ever tried to write a blog? Yeah? Don't look or Google my blog. It's probably a bunch of baloney. But uh, I remember I, I just sat down, and I, it was just kind of a journal that I would keep to help me uh, in my thoughts. And I, I wrote down in my journal just how different people had affected my life. 
my life is really determined by the relationships that I have and that I have had, and so is yours. Um, when it comes to getting started, do you know somebody, a person, a relationship shared Christ with you? Uh, when I was 12, my, my parents were separated. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, some of you can relate to that. I, I had a home where we went to church, but we didn't really, uh, you know, this is what we read on Sunday, and, you know, we just didn't really learn what would look like in, in family life. And when I was 12, my parents were separated, and my dad took me to visit a pastor. It was great. Uh, I didn't know why we were going there, but I was with my dad, and we were going to go visit this pastor. And he said he had a policy that every time somebody would come to his office, he would share with them how they could know for sure they're going to heaven. You're saying, well, I don't know. How, how do you go to heaven? Well, he shared with me exactly what I talked about at the beginning, how that I'm a sinner and that without Jesus, I would die. And because I had sin, I couldn't go to heaven. So there's only one other option, and that was to pay for my sin myself in hell. But Jesus came, and he paid for it for me. And if I receive what he did for me, I could be saved. And uh, Pastor Tim, uh, he, he helped me with that first step. He helped me get started with salvation. Um, how many of you here can remember who it was that helped you get started, helped you trust Christ as Savior? Somebody's got to do that. Maybe, maybe today, for you, deciding to build relationships means you've, you need somebody to show you from the Bible how you can get to heaven, how you can get peace, how you can get joy. You may be coming in as frustrated and as uh, hopeless and missing of joy as you've ever been. Well, today you can have somebody share with you Christ. Um, but once I received Christ as Savior, God put some other people in my life. I had a youth pastor. Uh, his name was Pastor Ben. Uh, pastor Ben, he helped me uh, get to know more about Jesus. He helped me kind of get started when it came to discipleship. Uh, he, he allowed me to spend time with him. and to I just got to watch him live life and watch him how he talked to his family and how he read his Bible. And I watched him pray and I watched him sing in church. And, and uh, Pastor Ben was my youth pastor and he was a huge help to me. Uh, but he helped me get started. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 2, the Bible says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Realize, you may need somebody to help you trust Christ as Savior. Somebody's got to tell you, but sometimes once we've trusted Christ as Savior, once we kind of get started, we're not really doing much. Um, one, I, I got saved when I was 12, and I, I got baptized shortly thereafter, but I didn't really do anything for what God's will for my life was until I really got into college. I, I went to a Christian college uh, down in Florida, and I, I went there just kind of going because my best friend went there, another relationship, you know, good thing I followed him. Uh, and, and I went there because my friend Jimmy went there. But when I was in college, um, I was very much a baby Christian. Uh, I was selfish. I was self-centered. My whole life was concerned about what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be, uh, what I wanted to get. It was, it was all about me. I was concerned about my popularity. I was concerned about everything about me. My life was focused on living life for myself, but I was still a Christian. Uh, and, and in that time, God allowed me to have a critical relationship with a, another, another Christian friend. 
a brother in Christ. His name was Dale. Dale is a good guy. And if Dale ever hears this podcast, if it comes out, I love Dale. Dale, he didn't know really what he did for me, but by happenstance, I ended up, not by happenstance, because God ordained, I ended up with Dale on a door-to-door ministry. Have any of you ever knocked on a door and tried to tell somebody about Jesus? Raise your hand. If you haven't, don't be ashamed, it's fine. It is a scary thing, especially the very first time uh, you ever share Christ with somebody. So I'm going to college, ready to like get my degree for what I wanted to do, to kind of shoot for that pay grade that I wanted to get, and, and I had my agenda. But Dale t- takes me out on door-to-door, and he helped me to get started when it came to serving God. Because when we went door-to-door, I began to see that there were people that didn't know about Jesus like I did. They were kind of clueless. They didn't know about the Bible. They didn't know that what, the, what God said about heaven and hell. They didn't know. Um, they just didn't have what I have. And I, I got to see what it was like and that there was this great need that was way bigger than me. Uh, it wasn't about me anymore. So that first year, because of this relationship I had with Dale, uh, that's, that started me on a path of service to God. I had roommates uh, relationships that first semester and that first uh, year that taught me. Uh, they, they would get up in the morning, and, and this wasn't something I ever did. Uh, they actually taught me how to read my Bible daily, uh, how to look something up, and, and then uh, how to pray. These were things that I needed someone else to show me. I needed someone to help me get started with, and they did that for me. And, and, and Dale, he, he helped me see what it was like. So that, that very first year, I changed my major. I felt God was calling me to full-time ministry. And so I changed to pastoral ministries. But we all need people to help us get started. Whether that means salvation, whether that means you just are, are a new Christian, you don't know how to get going. Whether that means you're a Christian for a while, but you're living for yourself. You've got to get started living for God. We all need help to get started. Secondly, another reason God gave us each other uh, is in, I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. The second reason, though, is to help you get up. To help you get up. Some of you say, get up out of bed like on Sunday, and that's not what I'm talking about. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, go ahead and turn there. In Ecclesiastes verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 9, the Bible says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Listen, two are better than one, okay? Uh, living for Jesus, not a one-player game. It's a team sport. Uh, listen, uh, two are better than one. Here's why. Why are two better than one? Because if you fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Do you realize this? Once you get saved, once you get started, life is not easy as a Christian. Life is not easy for anybody. Anyone with me on that? It gets difficult. 
I promise you, you are going to face hard times. You are going to come on times where you feel like quitting. Listen, uh, as a Christian, in this walk of life, you will fall. You will fall. It may be a falling into sin. It may be something that gets you and, and it's got you. You may fall into an addiction. There may be something because you've got something going on in your life. You try and cope, not by seeking after God, but by seeking something else. And you may fall into an addiction. You may fall and just make mistake after mistake. Realize it's going to happen. You're not going to do it right all the time. This is why it's so important to have relationships. Some of us are falling and we have nobody to help us up. We fall alone. You will get discouraged. Anyone ever been discouraged? Maybe you're discouraged right now. Uh, Sometimes I have a different discouragement every week or every day. Or maybe one hour I've got one discouragement and then the next hour I got something else that's weighing on my mind. We'll get discouraged. See, we've been uh, putting out this challenge, uh, the Greater Things Project, and, and God, I know God's challenging. If you're reading your devotional guide, if you've been part of the groups, if you've been here on Sunday for the last three weeks, God has probably inspired you to dream. You've asked the question, God, what do you want me to do? And then you've been told, because the Bible tells us that God wants you to do something exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. And so you get pumped. And you're ready. You can, do, you can do everything. And so we come into week two, and I'm going to take action. And so, man, I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to jump in this ministry. I'm going to try something I haven't tried before. I'm going to try and pray with my family. I don't do that, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to take action. Last week we hear about sacrifice, and you're like, yeah, I'll sacrifice anything. You know, you're pumped about serving God. But you know what's going to happen? You will get discouraged. Something is going to happen. Something may have already happened to discourage you from doing what God is asking you to do. You will get discouraged. You may, it may be a hurt or a pain that you're facing. Maybe a sickness of your own and your family. Could be a, a loved one passes away. Could be a financial trial. Maybe God's testing you uh, to be a steward of the resources he's given you. And he's, he's asking you, uh, he, and, and now you've got decisions to make about your finances or decisions to make about your job or things like this that, that no one else may know about. But you've got it going on and you're discouraged and you're facing this hurt and you're facing this pain. Sometimes in this journey of life, as we walk with God as a Christian, we even quit. There are people that give up. Or you're, you might be right now deciding to quit. Maybe this church thing isn't for me. Maybe following Christ isn't, isn't what, it, what I should be doing. Maybe, man, these hard times are coming. What, what am I supposed to do? Maybe this isn't for me. Realize in Ecclesiastes 4, the, there's a word that describes this person who falls and doesn't have anybody. The, the word is woe. Okay, it says, Woe to him that is alone when he falleth. Have you ever, and I know you have, so I just want you to think about it, that's why I'm asking. Have you ever fallen, made a mistake, got discouraged, and then you felt like you were the only one 
dealing with that. You're not the only one. You're just alone when you fell and you got no one to help you up. See, uh, the Bible says woe. The word woe means grief. It's, uh, it's a word that expresses hopelessness. Um, whoa, uh, you, when you fall and you've got no support, when you fall and you've got no one that even knows what you're going through because you don't have these relationships in your life, uh, there is, is you, you're whoa, you're, you feel hopeless. I've got no one to help me uh, with, I've got financial problems. I've got no one to help me with my kids. I've got no one to help me with whatever it is you're dealing with. This disease, I've got to bear it all by myself. Well, I, I'm here to tell you this morning that this is not what God intended. Two are better than one. And uh, I want you to turn in your Bible, and I want to show you a passage in Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Do you know what God has already set up that we just need to tap into? He's already set up this thing. It's called the church. It's called the family of God. And you've got people here that can help you. And there are people here that need your help. Here's what God says in Galatians 6. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, Who is it? in this church, that knows what your burdens are? Who is it? Is there anybody sitting in this building right now that really knows what your burdens are? I'm not talking about they just know I'm having a hard time. I mean, they know how hard it is for you. I mean, they know that it's a struggle for you and that you know you need help. Who is it? Because this is, the, this is the equation. You say, uh, woe to them that fall and they don't have anyone to help them up. The, the, God's plan is not that we should fall alone. When we fall, when we experience pain, when we have burdens, he wants us to be together in this. It's a team sport. I help you and you help me. See, we have the opportunity when we talk about making a decision to build relationships, we have an opportunity to either allow ourselves to become a casualty, to sin, to a, a trial, or we can decide to build a relationship to, to start to, to have people in our lives that can bear our burdens with us. See, we, we wonder, man, we got people that were here, uh, you know, six months ago, but they're not here now. Why? Chances are they probably fell. A discouragement, a trial, a problem. But they didn't have anybody to help them up. See, uh, Pastor Tony uh, is not able to help everybody up. Do you know that? Uh, if, if you're new today, you don't know who Pastor Tony is. Pastor Tony, our pastor, is, I mean, I don't know anybody who's more giving, more caring. He has a great concern for everybody's needs. Uh, and he knows them. And if, if you will talk to him, he will listen. But he just doesn't have the physical capability to be with every person and bear your burdens. As much as you would like your pastor to bear your burdens, he can't. But do you know who is supposed to be bearing the burdens? I want you to point to them right now. Point at yourself. You are. You say, the church is supposed to do that. Well, who is that? Well, that's you. 
If you're, if you're saved, you're placed in the, you are the church, okay? That means you've got a job to, to build a relationship with others so that you can bear their burdens, and they've got a responsibility to bear your burdens as well. See, we need people in our lives to help us get up. You may say, right now, I don't feel like I need those. I'm, I'm fine. Well, it's coming. A time where you'll face a trial or a hurt or a pain, and you will fall. And you must plan ahead to have people in your life to help you back up. So we need people in our life to help us get started. We need relationships to help us get up. Thirdly, we need relationships in our life to help us get more. To help us get more. Remember, living for Jesus, not a one-player game, it's a team sport. I want you to turn in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. You know, I was, as I was preparing this lesson, I was really hoping that uh, you know, God, I, I, I really like to preach, take one passage and just preach through the passage. But it was very difficult to find a lengthy story, a lengthy passage that would explain this concept of having people in our life to, to help us get started, to, to help us in our walk with Christ, to help us in sanctification. What I found is it's not really just in one place. It's everywhere. It's all through the Bible. There's phrases about one another. I mean, you can look up one another. It's everywhere. And I've got some verses to share with you in a second. But here in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about what we ought to be doing when we come together. Uh, in verse number 24, the Bible says, And let us consider one another. That means that, that there is a command here of God to think about somebody else. That's a novel thought, right? Uh, you know, quit thinking about yourself and do something. You've you got to be in a place. There's got to be a place somewhere in here where you think about somebody besides yourself, okay? Uh, so, so answer that. Where is that? Um, let us consider one another. Let us think about others. Why? To provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Here's what this says here. Talking about getting more. You could get started. and You may need to. Uh, you, can, uh, you can get up. Maybe, maybe you've fallen. Maybe today you're here and you are discouraged and you need help to get up. Well, you can find that help. Uh, you know, maybe today you're just kind of lukewarm. This whole thing about greater things. Pastor Tony preached that it is not okay with God just to be okay with being okay. It's not, it's not good. Uh, he says, I'd rather you be cold, far from me, or hot. But please don't be lukewarm. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. It's in Revelation chapter 3. And so God, he's given us an, a, a, a word here. He says that we are to provoke one another to love and to good works. You know what provoke means? It means to stir up. It means to, to stir up in somebody something that's not already there. See, naturally, naturally. You know what we do naturally? Nothing. Naturally, we sit on the couch, we eat potato chips, and we watch Netflix. That's what we do naturally. I'm serious. Uh, that's what we do outside of some other thing. That, naturally, we are drifters. Naturally, we don't get more passionate about God. Naturally, we don't pray. Naturally, we don't witness. Naturally, we take the easiest path, the path of least resistance. And that is why we need people in our lives to stir us up in our relationship with God. In Ecclesiastes 4, we saw that two are better. One is good, 
I like one, but I tell you what, when you get me with somebody that loves God, I get more excited to love God. When you get me with somebody that, that loves to pray, well, I want to pray more. Have you ever felt that? If you get with somebody that's positive, that is following God, well, you want to do the same thing. It stirs you up. Proverbs uh, 27 talks about this relationship. Uh, verse 17 talks about iron sharpening iron. Uh, it says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. The idea is that when you and somebody else meet together, you start to create some friction. Okay, friction sometimes isn't comfortable, but friction gets you moving. Okay, friction gets you to change. It gets you to do things you're not already doing. See, the Bible uh, says about us loving one another, uh, about doing things for us. It says uh, in John 13, 34, uh, Jesus said, love one another. In 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, the Bible says, comfort one another. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, there's the word used, edify one another, to build each other up. Uh, Hebrews 3.13, and then again in Hebrews 10, to exhort or encourage one another. Colossians 3.16 says, to teach and admonish one another. There ought to be some kind of relationship that you have in your life where somebody's teaching you, where somebody's exhorting you, where they're encouraging to do more than what you're doing right now. So the question is, do you have it? Listen, um, the, the Bible talks in, in Hebrews 10 that we're supposed to come together for those purposes even more as we see the day approaching. Listen, we, we always see on the news and we, we know it, we're not getting further away or it doesn't seem like Jesus is going to just let's procrastinate this thing and go a little bit longer though he is long-suffering, it always seems that we're getting closer and closer and closer to Jesus coming back. The end, as the Bible would talk about, it's getting closer. I'm not going to wear a billboard. The end is near. But I'm telling you, as we see that, we've got to be stirring each other up. I mean, we're spending time on things that don't matter. We're spending time on uh, accumulating stuff here on earth when the Bible says accumulate treasures in heaven. Let me ask you, who in your life is going to encourage you to stop setting your eyes here but start setting your eyes in heaven? Is there anybody that can actually speak to you in a way to address things that are wrong in your life? This is so important. This is what God tells us to do. Um, We so often come and think church is simply sitting in the rows and listening to preaching. But the commands are always commands where we interact with each other. It's very difficult for someone to bear your burdens uh, when you only sit next to them on Sunday. Because you know what we do on Sunday? Just getting real? Hey, doing good, brother. You know, you stick out your hand and everything's good on Sunday. Everything's always good. You know, people ask you, hey, how are you doing? Well, you don't have a relation with that person enough to be able to tell them, I'm doing pretty bad, you know. Really, you just say, oh, good, we're doing well. Thanks for asking, you know, because uh, that's what we do. That's, that's polite. It's greeting. But you've got to have relationships that help you to do more, help you to get more. Listen, the, the challenge is there for greater things. We've been praying for greater things in our life. It's up on the paper here. It's in your devotional. We want greater things in our life. Is there anybody here, any fathers here that want to be godly fathers? You want to be better fathers? Are there any men here that want to be stronger men, men for Christ? Are, are there any moms in here that want to, want to be a mom for Jesus? You want, you want to do better. Does anybody want to do better? We always want to do better. Listen, I will tell you that, that if you want to, Jesus wants more for you. 
Uh, There's nothing that's holding you back. Jesus says, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He's not okay with you just having, uh, you know, my my life's a drag and I'm struggling. That's not what God wants for us. Uh, even, Even more, God... Once you got saved, he has come to live inside you as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God lives within you, and he says he wants to use you. Not just the pastors, not just that person that you think is, has more talent than you at church or something like that. He wants to use you to do things that are exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He wants to use you to do it. Jesus wants more for you. The Holy Spirit is working in you to do more. And so here's what we need to do today. We need to make relationship decisions that will help us get more. We have to. Um, you've got to make, some of, some of you, you have relationships, you have close friends, but they're not helping you. Uh, they're not helping you at all. They're actually hurting you. Uh, you. You have people in your life. I heard a statement, help me so much. Uh, Those who do not love the Lord will not help you serve the Lord. Let me say it again. Those who do not love the Lord will not help you serve the Lord. Uh, we need to make sure, listen, you know who's responsible for building relationships in your life? Your mom's not going to do it. Pastor Tony's not going to do it for you. You are responsible to build these relationships in your own life. You are personally responsible. If you say, I don't have anybody to help me up. Well, there's a step that you can take to find somebody. You can come up here and ask. Uh, If you need somebody to help you uh, get started and get saved, in a minute we're going to have an invitation time, okay? What that means is we just sing a song, and you have a chance to come up here and talk to a counselor, uh, somebody that can pray with you, and somebody today can help you get started, get that relationship with Jesus. Also, in our church, listen, it's it's not for everybody, but we, we notice that there's got to be a place. If God says provoke one another, if God says pray for one another, if God says bear burdens, well, where do we do it? Because it's not happening right here. We have places like classes on Sunday at 10 o'clock, like groups all throughout the week that you can join, meant for the purpose of you having those relationships to support you so that when you fall, you're not alone. Um, We have ways for you to do this, but it's you that is going to have to make that decision on what to do.